Hi, everyone. I'm Erica Plank-Hagen, the Communications Manager here at the Presbytery of Southern New England, and this is Connecting Our Conversations. It's our podcast hosted by us, the Presbytery, as we're a regional governing body in the Presbyterian Church USA, and this is our space for conversations that push the edges of our faith and help us to deepen our discipleship, telling the stories of what we're up to as a Presbytery. Today, I'm really excited. I've been trying to schedule this for a while, so it's finally happening, Tracy. (laughs) I'm talking with the Reverend Dr. Tracy Miramiska, who serves as Minister for Men and Later Life at Asylum Hill Congregational Church in Hartford, Connecticut, and she is also the author of um, Weathering the Storm, Simple Strategies for Being Peaceful and Prepared. And on a personal note, I know Tracy because I took her class at, it was Hartford Seminary then, now it's Hartford Hartford International University for Religion and Peace, but it was called Resilience for Spiritual Leaders, and it was amazing. So I am very excited to get to share some of that with the Presbytery at large. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So Tracy, how long have you been in this Presbytery with Presbytery of Southern New England? I came to the Presbytery of Southern New England in 2007, so about 15 years ago, um, originally as um, an associate minister at Westminster Presbyterian Church in West Hartford. Oh, I know that one. (laughs) (laughs) Did you study here in like at Yale? Where were you? Um, I did my MDiv at Princeton Theological Seminary, Mm -hmm. and then I did my Doctor of Ministry at Hartford International University. It's so long now, that title. (laughs) It's so long now. So when you were doing your doctorate work at Hartford, that was when your resilience work came up, right? I'm interested, what what called you to to that study, that exploration? Well, when I was at Hartford Seminary, I really, um, I was, my full-time call at the time was as the chaplain, the Protestant chaplain at Wesleyan University. And so in the university setting, there was so much conversation about resilience. Um, And there's so many different components of resilience that are relevant, not only for college students, not only for middle-aged people, not only for older adults and children and everybody. So I thought, well, I could be more useful as a college chaplain knowing more about resilience. And that's what inspired me to kind of dig deeper into that topic. Mm-hmm. And so the book, did that grow out of your, your research where you like, there's a book here or um, did you want to get it out to the world? What was sort of the impetus for that? <laughs> well, I ended up in my doctor ministry project, creating a weekend retreat for my college students. And it was geared all around the research I did about resilience, which basically is summarized in a few sentences that resilience is not something that you're born with or not born with, but it is a set of characteristics that you can cultivate. So looking at the different characteristics of resilience that are consistent among resilient people, um, I developed this weekend retreat. And from the beginning to the end of the retreat, one of the years I ran it, the students self-reported a 45% increase in their levels of resilience. And it wasn't because I was like miraculously making them more resilient and two days, but it just really the invitation to help people deconstruct resilience and appreciate that they already have a lot of characteristics of resilience that they have used and demonstrated. And also there maybe are areas that they could develop further. And it's actually pretty fun to work on those areas. Mm -hmm. So um, once I saw kind of the success of the retreat, that's when I thought maybe it would be fun to make it more widely available. 
I have been buying your book as gifts for people. And it's, <laughs> it's both a wonderful gift to want to give them this, um, both the tools that they might need to be more resilient and the sort of gift of self-exploration. And it's always an interesting conversation with, okay, I'm not saying that you're super stressed or anything, but <laughs> you might, but you're right. It is a very, very practical, um, fulfilling book to kind of work through. I, I recommend it to everybody. Oh, you're so nice. <laughs> well, and it was originally going to be very academic because I was in an academic setting and I was thinking that I wanted it to be super, um, well, it is really research-based, but I didn't intend for it to be so personal. But then mm. as anyone knows, once you start researching resilience or talking about resilience or learning about resilience, you realize you can't possibly do that work without digging really deep into why you care about resilience and what sorts of experiences you yourself have overcome. So it turned into kind of a more personal project mm -hmm. than I expected. And that was really worthwhile. Well, and that... That's interesting. That really speaks to me. I believe really strongly that part of our faith community is that we share our stories, that we tell our stories to each other, and that's how we build relationship, and that's how we evangelize and, and do our mission in the world is by telling the story of, of, of who we are and what, you know, what God calls for us. So I like that, that it brought you to that, that place especially in academia where that's so often, um, I don't know, I feel like there's this idea that we have to be very structured and very <laughs> clinical. And, and I love that there was space for that in your academic work. Yes. Yay. It was actually unavoidable, I would say. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, what surprised you in your research as something that you wouldn't have thought was connected to resilience, but is? Well, so I looked at the different scholars had come up with different kind of sets of characteristics. And I, I looked at them and kind of turned them into what I call the seven P's. And the P's are people, positivity, pliability, problem solving, piety, perseverance, and purpose. And as I looked at each of those seven P's, I realized how deeply connected each of them is with our faith journey and with our identity as people of faith, as children of God. And it wasn't just one category. Yes, piety, or as I say, spiritual and or religious practices, beliefs, and communities. Yes, that is a very specifically religious or spiritual characteristic, but every other one of these characteristics also, um, I feel like is in our wheelhouse as church members, as church leaders. And that's why I am excited about this class at Hartford Seminary, because um, it's resilience for spiritual leaders. And that's as spiritual leaders, as lay leaders, as church members, uh, we have a real amazing opportunity to help connect people with their sources of resilience. Mm -hmm. What I loved about the class was it was both and. It was both my own building resilience for myself as a future spiritual leader, God willing, and then um, as and then also how I could help the people I am shepherding be more resilient and that actually the work of helping people I shepherd was going to bring back resilience to me. I just thought that was amazing. Yes. And I love, I mean, it has changed the way I parent. It's changed the way I make my schedule. It has changed so much about my life for the better. And that, you know, is an, mm -hmm. another really amazing and fun byproduct. <laughs> So um, let's kind of break down the piety part a little bit because we're, you know, we're talking through the Presbyterian <laughs> lens here. Um, you mentioned that it is, uh, 
it's spiritual and or religious. So we're not saying it's just like just Christian or just Protestant that builds resilience. It's it's what. Um. So this is this. So I kind of like I said in exactly as you described it, spiritual and or religious beliefs, practices, and communities. So it's really all three of those facets. And I know finding um, a community where we have a sense of belonging can be kind of a challenge, especially if we're relocating or, um, you know, if we had a home church that we grew up in that was really exceptional, sometimes it's hard to find a place like that. So I do encourage people to put the effort into that. And, um, you know, it's the kind of thing like, so for instance, if I have a yoga practice, that's really nourishing to my spirit. And then I experience hardship, trauma, or difficulty that yoga practice is going to help sustain me. But mm-hmm. if I just say in the middle of that hardship, oh, let me start trying yoga, maybe that'll help. It might be less helpful. So the idea of all of this with resilience, in my opinion, is that it's something we do in advance of hardship or trauma or difficulty. It's, it, these are characteristics that we're kind of constantly cultivating and nurturing. And the, and the benefit of that is like a fire drill. Once, you know, if 90% of us will experience some sort of trauma, statistically. So when some difficulty, hardship, or trauma comes along, we'll have those uh, relationships, we'll have those practices, and we'll have um, life-giving understandings of our text already in place. Mm -hmm. I do think with the COVID pandemic, Mm -hmm. that it was a real eye-opener for people for so many things. I think it really jolted us out of what we were doing and had us see things. And one of those things would be if there were places where we weren't cultivating resilience, because it was starkly clear if you weren't able to to get through some things in the pandemic. Um, and I think we're in a similar place now coming to whatever new phase this is <laughs> that yes. we're in. It's almost harder because we're not, I mean, when it was just, I'm going to stay at home. Well, okay. That's pretty clear. <laughs> and now I feel like we're negotiating all the time with Mass or no, gathering or no, safe or no. Um, so where am I going with this? I think I'm saying that I, I suspect a lot of people listening and, and working through this are realizing perhaps things that they wish they had cultivated earlier and are also looking for things to sustain them moving forward, that this is a real time for that. Yes. And I think what was so interesting about the pandemic is as you look at the seven Ps, as I described them, um, we had to reorient our relationship with those characteristics as the pandemic happened, as it persisted. So for instance, people, I was at the playground with my friends, seeing them regularly. I was in book clubs. I went to church. I did all these things. And now when the pandemic happened, I had to rethink, okay, how am I going to maintain these relationships with people? How am I going to be sure that this is still a nourishing part of of who I am and how I persevere. Um, And so it really invited us to kind of mindfully shift gears. Maybe our sense of purpose was the work we were doing and we now weren't needed at work anymore or had to do our work in a different way. So there were a lot of ways in which the seven Ps were really upended by the pandemic. And we, I know me, it's like, sometimes I was haphazard about how I reconnected with sources of strength and resilience. And, um, so yes, being mindful of the characteristics helps us to be more intentional about 
various situations that we might encounter. For instance, um, as we retire, we would know, hey, purpose is a really important part of resilience. And here I am giving up my employment and I'm going to start something new. Well, that's something I want to be mindful of is ensuring I know what my sense of purpose is and how to nourish and fulfill that part of me, even as this transition is happening. So that's my invitation to people is to look at the seven Ps and be mindful of how um, they evolve. Because they're the other thing I want to say about resilience is it is like a continuum. I don't think we're ever like, oh, one day we just be, we're resilient and we need to stop worrying about it. Ta-da. On yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as our life circumstances change, as our kids, excuse me, as our kids might um, move on to college and now I don't have as much responsibility caring for them as I used to. So as things change, we need to constantly be reassessing our resilience and how these characteristics can um, help us persevere through difficult times. I'm I'm hearing that, and I'm also imagining a lot of the church and worshiping communities in our presbytery who are having to reimagine how they are right now. And um, yeah, that intentional cultivation of of purpose, of vision, that is both, I think important for keeping going as a, as a community, but also for the, your resilience in getting there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's all related. It's all related. <laughs> and even the seven Ps, there's so much overlap, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, you, you have piety, which is your sense of, of God or faith or whatever. And that also often dovetails with community with, yeah, it's, yes. it's all together. Um, what do you think are some misconceptions that people have about resilience that actually kind of get in the way of this, this transformation or this intentionality? So um, I have literally a list here of things that resilience <laughs> is not. Is not. <laughs> um, so I always say it's not pre- predetermined by our DNA. It's not, it's something we can cultivate. And we often think, oh, she's so resilient and I'm not. Well, I don't believe that. I believe it's something each of us can cultivate. And maybe some of us have had more practice cultivating it in various ways, or we come from families of origin where um, various characteristics were emphasized just by chance. But I don't think it's necessarily because that person is more innately resilient. Um, the other thing about resilience is it's not about denying the suffering. And mm. often I feel like that's a misconception about resilience. It's like, oh, buck up and move on and you got this and positive vibes only. And it's none of that. It's literally, um, to me, resilience is the invitation to kind of live into the suffering, to experience the suffering and to eventually allow yourself to be transformed by it. And it's not that we wish it upon anyone. It's not that it's ever a good thing, but there is an idea that, um, with, uh, with resilience, we can persevere through it and then have some growth as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. And the other one more thing I want to say about what resilience is not, we often think of resilience as kind of a personal characteristic. And I hear people so often say, oh, well, it, I'm not resilient. It was, I wouldn't have gotten through that work, not for my best friend or my partner or whatever. And I was like, no, the fact that you worked on that relationship and that person was there for you is part of resilience. Mm-hmm. So I just want people to know that if you only got through a hardship because your church family rallied behind you or because of well, that doesn't mean you're not resilient. It means that you, in fact, did nurture that characteristic knowingly or unknowingly. And and that came through for you and you needed it. Yeah. Oh, I had so many thoughts with that. <laughs> no, well, just that like that's church. Like that's that sometimes we are we're able to feed others and sometimes we need to be fed. And that relationship is what makes us 
resilient. It's not that we on our own power do it ever. Yes. So, yeah. Um, my other thought with acknowledging the suffering was that, I mean, we are, as we're talking about this, we're in Lent and this time of space and uh, some people are fasting and it's, it's sort of a reminder that out of darkness comes rebirth. And if you ignore the darkness, you don't get that sense of rebirth. So what an interesting time to be thinking about resilience. Neat. Uh, let's see. If you had advice, I know people probably are like, what's your top five <laughs> list? And I don't want to, cause this is such a more interesting conversation than that. And <laughs> I'd like to leave people with some takeaways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be interested in what you would advise an individual listening mm-hmm. to sort of focus on. And also people who are working on figuring out where their communities are going. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I genuinely feel like we, as you mentioned earlier, this idea of authenticity is so important. And I think historically, maybe churches didn't do such a hot job of that. Maybe the minister was always appeared to be kind of beyond reproach, perfect, never had any problems. And I think us revealing as church leaders our authenticity and our vulnerability in ways that are um, not taking the attention away from others and toward ourselves, but instead just inviting others to also share that vulnerability and be totally honest with who they are and some of their struggles. I think that is a great gift. And I think that doesn't only apply to church leaders. I think we as um, members of churches can also be honest about our struggles, try to um, acknowledge some of the difficulties we've had. And also, um, one thing that I think is a helpful practice is kind of reflecting on situations and like, well, what did help you get through that time and how, what resources were available to you and what characteristics did you demonstrate that helped you get through that? And then I think that helps us empower each other to realize our own strength. Mm. It's like, um, I have an 11 year old who's a worrier and he will, um, you'll say, I'm worried about this one thing, you know, I'm worried about the spelling test. I'm worried about, darling, you've survived a hundred percent of the spelling tests you've taken (laughs) in the past. So it's a little bit simplistic, but that remembering and then bringing forward, I think is key. Um, And I think also a big part of all this, there's so much, I'm so excited about this topic, as you can tell, Yes, um, is like embracing failure. Yeah. And we don't do such a good job of that anymore. I don't feel like where um, failure does have consequences and it's unfortunate that they do. It does, but it also is an opportunity for learning and growth. So I'm really intrigued by this whole growth mindset idea that they're Mm. emphasizing more and saying, yeah, you know what? We're going to make mistakes. We're going to have setbacks and um, they don't reflect who we are as people. It doesn't mean we're a bad person. It doesn't mean that we are hopeless. Um, and just persevering kind of with that positivity of knowing I can learn and grow from this and, um, yeah, you know, it can help me be a better person. I think that's especially important as, um, we, as a Presbytery are trying to tackle, you know, anti-racism and equity and moving forward to be a transformational church of the future. And like, those are big, hard things to tackle they're amazing things to tackle but also we're gonna make mistakes like we are 
going to stumble as we do it. And if we have to get it perfect the first time, yeah. Yeah. So and that's where the vulnerability comes in right. too. It's just being able to be honest with each other and hear each other's struggles and honor those struggles and learn from them and then strive to be a better listener, a better ally, a better person, all of those things. Well, and I know for me personally, um, as you know, I have I have a lot going on. <laughs> I have I have special needs kids and a and a kind of hectic life. And I would hear my whole life, oh my gosh, you're so strong. Mm. Oh my gosh, I couldn't do what you do. And it never made me feel good. Like it never made me feel better or stronger or more resilient. And so being able to be authentic and vulnerable actually oddly makes you more able to do all the hard things you do. So yes, I feel that really, really (laughs) keenly inside. I, I feel that strongly. Good. Yeah. And like it, it also a big part of this with perseverance, especially is the self-care. And I don't Mm -hmm. like to call it self-care. I like to call it stress mitigation because you can take on as much stress as you want, as long as you're mitigating the stress that you're taking on. Mm. So to me, the amount of stress in your life needs to be commensurate with the amount of care you're taking of yourself. Um, And so that I think is obviously an important piece as well. Resilience. Yeah. So um, from your class, I've been very mindful about like things I do in my day. And one of the things is I use my Fitbit. And if my Fitbit battery is low and it needs to be charged as it's charging, I have to be doing stress mitigation or self-care for myself to recharge it. I love it. And it's so literal, but (laughs) you know, I can't argue like right now I am at 13%. So after we get (laughs) off of this call, I will be spending some time. I'm going to make a healthy breakfast and like do all this stuff. Um, so, uh, people who haven't read the book yet, it, this is the kind of like, it's, you don't have to do the cute Fitbit thing that I do, but it is, it is an opportunity to really build it into your day. Yes. And, and that's when I say it's fun. I really mean it. Like I'll have a friend call and say, Oh, do you want to get lunch on Friday? And I'll think, no, I have 8 million things to do on Friday. And then I'll say, no, I'm going to do my resilience homework. And I'm going to get lunch with this person on Friday. And so that's the kind of example that actually cultivating these characteristics can be very nourishing and very fun in their own right. And also they will help us when hardship come or difficulty arise. I think in the kind of meritocracy, you know, hustle culture that we're in giving us permission and prioritizing these things can be really hard. So this is really a gift to if you can't just do it because it feels good, you could also do it because you know it's helpful for <laughs> cultivating your resilience. Yeah, and role modeling that for the people around you. For sure. And what a difference that would make leading a, leading a worshiping community if you're modeling that too. <laughs> yes. Imagine. I know. <laughs> oh. Tracy, this has been wonderful. Is there anything that we haven't said that you you wish were out there? Uh, no, I just appreciate the time so much. And again, I'm I just hope people realize that they have much more resilience within themselves than they even likely give themselves credit for. So um, my invitation is for them to celebrate that, and for the areas where there is room for growth, which we all have, to. Um, consider it a a fun and useful practice to make them um, a more uh, relevant priority for us as we move forward. Yes. Amen. (laughs) 
we're going to need it moving forward and what a gift that we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Erica. I'm so grateful for you. Thanks, Tracy. Bye. Bye.